0: And when bad things happen, they do one of two things. They make you come to God or they make you turn from God. And I watch it every day in this difficult life, in this uncertain tomorrow. You can mark it down. If problems haven't come, they are coming. And when tragedy comes to your door, when adversity grabs a hold of your heart, will it bring you closer to Jesus? Or will it make you give up on him? That's the test of our faith. Amen. And you know, I love that song. That's a great song. Just think what it, the hope to hear him say, well done. But my favorite part of it, he says, welcome to the place where you belong. He done all that for us. All we can give back is a life to pay him back for serving us. And hopefully one day hear him, yeah, I made it possible I saved you, but you lived for me, and welcome to the place where you belong. Well done, my good and faithful son. Awesome. Great, great word this morning. I don't know about y'all, but how many of you planning on voting Tuesday morning? I don't think there's a hand didn't go up, because you probably already voted like my mama, but I want to talk to us a little bit this morning from the Word of God, if you got a copy of it. I want you to turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy. I'm sorry, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And I want to talk to us a little while on the topic of voting. But more importantly, from what do you really expect this election to accomplish? Because, man, I've been listening on TV, and, man, I hear some of them saying that, We're voting for the soul of a nation. That America's future is dependent upon this election. And don't get me wrong. I agree that our future is affected by this election. But this election is not what determines the destiny of America. I believe with my whole heart what determines the destiny of America has more to do with what we do with Jesus What we do with the Lord than it does on who we vote for. Although I'm voting because I believe voting is beneficial. If you read here with me this morning, I want to read something to you. That we see the Lord tell us in his word through the Apostle Paul that would have more effect on leadership over our nation than anything, even voting. Yet we don't do it very often. If we was to have a meeting to do this Tuesday, you wouldn't even have enough to be worth turning air conditioning on for. But there won't be a one of us who won't go vote Tuesday. Get out of our house. Disrupt our day. Change our agenda to go vote. But how many of us would change our agenda today if we came to pray for these leaders? Because look what the Bible says in verse 1 of chapter 2. Therefore, I exhort first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. All men. But especially in verse 2, it says, For kings and all who are in authority. In our way, that would be presidents and senators and congressmen. So that we may live and lead a quiet and peaceful life in godliness and reverence. You see, the Bible says that if we prayed for our leaders and he says for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our savior and I want you to notice what he says who desires for all men to be saved but he doesn't just say saved he says and come to the knowledge of the truth for there is only one God and one mediator between God and men the man Christ Jesus Jesus Father, in the name of Jesus today, I pray that as we look into your word this morning, that you would encourage us, that you would remind us that, Lord, our hope is not in the hands of men, but is already held by the hands of God. That you are our hope, you are our future. And for those of us who have been saved by your grace, who have knowledge of who you are and been saved By your salvation, Lord, our destiny is set. We're going to be with you one day, like that song Sam just sang, in the place where we belong with you. But in the meantime, Lord, we need to be able to live a life for you here. So, Lord, speak to us today and guide us through your word. In Jesus' name, we pray. I want to ask you something. Will the election really change anything? Certainly it will. But do you really think November the 8th will be able to fix America's future? Now I'm here, I'm telling you, I vote, I support voting. Take your God-given right to go vote for the candidate that best and most likely will hopefully honor God. Make decisions that are being in accordance to his will that will allow the truth of the knowledge of who God is and the blessing truth that he's given us to live by affect how they lead us but voting's a lot like going to the doctor i go to a doctor and many times the doctor can fix me and many times the doctor can cure me but there's sometimes when you go to the doctor and he gives you news that your condition is beyond his ability to fix You've heard the doctor tell many people before, your life is in the Lord's hands. But you don't quit going to the doctor because the doctor still can help. So we keep voting, but I want you to understand something. Voting is a lot like that. We vote because it has influence to help, to make a difference. But it is never a guarantee to fix the mess that we're in. If you're honest today, America has gotten so far from God that it has not only affected us spiritually, that our spiritual health is in chaos and unhealthy, but it's affected us mentally. If you look around today in America, we are mentally unstable. We are mentally unhealthy. People are living emotional train wreck lives. The greatest thing, I just read last week, that the greatest cause of death for 18 to 35 years old is overdose on fentanyl. People who are mentally unstable, emotionally not healthy enough to handle life just with God and turn to those such things. And many of you may not be on fentanyl, but you're dependent on other means to calm and help you emotionally besides Jesus. But guys, listen, if you look at the health of America as a nation... Not is only America spiritually unhealthy, not as America experienced mental unhealthiness, but America, my friend, is even now beginning to experience physical problems in our health as a nation. And friends, today, if you look and you say what the Bible says, the will of God, that which it says is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior is that he desires for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. I believe that nothing has more potential to fix the spiritual, the mental, and the physical health of a human being than getting saved and having right understanding knowledge of who God is. And I believe nothing has more potential to bring a nation to its knees than when it turns from the knowledge of God and rejects him and a relationship with him through our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you look around, you're seeing the results every moment and every day of what it looks like when we turn away from the knowledge of God. You see, just like here, we have access to the knowledge of God and his saving grace. The people of God, people who knew him and have him, can turn from God. It's happened over and over in the book of the Old Testament. And if you turn with me to Hosea, Hosea chapter 4, I might should have told y'all to be looking for that one. It ain't one we look at very often. It's right next to Daniel. Daniel's right after Ezekiel. They're both pretty big, so when you find them, go to the right. Hosea, he, he pastored in a time he ministered when Israel was very much like America. They had committed spiritual adultery against their God to the point That he made him marry a prostitute as an illustration of the relationship between his people, the people of Israel, and himself. And guys, we are that far from God today in America. And if you look there with me, it says in verse 1 of chapter 4, Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, not the lost, the people of God. For the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. That word charge literally means a legal complaint. It's a spiritual diagnosis. And look at what he says. There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. I don't know about y'all, but that's a pretty good description of what I see outside of God's people and even in God's people today. There's no truth anymore. There's no mercy anymore. There's certainly a loss of the knowledge of God in our land today. Look at what he says happens when that happens, when there's a, a time when you lose the knowledge of God and you're so far dis- disconnected from God that now no longer is truth and mercy a reality in the people, in the society, and the culture that you live in. What does that cause? Well, look down there at verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. If there was ever a time where in America... Needed to hear about the knowledge of God and who he is and the difference he makes, it's now. And voting, yes, that's going to make a difference. But I want to show you something. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. You've rejected my knowledge. I also will reject you from being priests for me. That's my representative A priest is a mediator between God and people. And God looked at Israel as his priesthood nation to represent him to the lost world. That's what we are as Christians. And then he says, because you have forgotten the law of your God, the word of God, I also will forget your children. You know what happens when that happens? That's what I want to talk to you a little bit this morning. Because since its founding, the United States has been a majority Christian nation. Whether you want to believe that or not, history teaches it, proves it, but the reality, and while it's still the dominant religion, the country's Christian majority has been shrinking if you haven't noticed for decades now. Now, a new study from the Pew Research Center shows that as of 2020, the number of Americans who now identify as Christians is about 64%. And this is Research that's done calling and talking, and it's from the best research we can get, only 64%, you might say, well, that's still pretty good. But in the early 90s, as recently as the 90s, about 90% of people surveyed in the U.S. consistently identified themselves as a Christian. And it was that from the 90s all the way back as far as they've ever done it to the 50s. From the 50s to the 90s, we were at 90%. If you called people and you could call thousands and call them from all over different sections of America, 90% would say, I'm a Christian. From the 90s to the 20, it went to 64%. And if the trend continues, the Pew Research Center predicts that Christians could become a minority in just a few more decades. I believe we're already a minority because I don't believe 64% of them are really Christians. Meanwhile, those who are not affiliated with a religion, especially Christianity, has grown from 16% in 2007 to over 30% in 2020, according to the same research. What that means is they call them the religious nuns. People who describe themselves as atheists, non-believers in God, are 30%. There's a book called Transformational Church by Tom Rayner. He was the Lifeway director for Southern Baptist Convention for years. He's written many books. Him and another research analyst who writes books for Lifeway named Ed Stetzer. Their name may ring a bell if you're a regular reader of Lifeway material They wrote a book called Transformational Church. And in that book they say one reason for the recent shift in America is due to the sea of statistics supporting the fact that we have become a predominantly lost nation. There is no knowledge of God in the masses. There is no understanding of saving truth amongst the people out there. And that's the bigger problem than who we vote for. As a matter of fact, this is what they say in the book. Only two countries have more non-believers than the U.S. India, Hindu, China. The U.S. is the third largest mission field for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in the world. If you go by people who don't have knowledge of God's saving grace. But we all want to admit it. And what we're seeing is the problems that exist When the knowledge of God escapes the land, there's no longer truth. Do you notice how truth is nothing anymore that's really valuable? That even matters? You can lie, that this fact check, oh Lord, is that a joke? Depends on whose side you're on, whether or not your fact checker means anything. (laughs) But guys, think about this. In a book called Future Cast that is about today's trends and the trends that we see going on, trends or patterns that we see people committing to, about how it will defect tomorrow in America. It's by George Barna. Y'all ever heard of him? George Barna Research. He's a Christian research, does biblical research. He he did a study in 2010, and he asked thousands upon thousands of people who were Americans like us And he did a survey and he asked six questions concerning a biblical worldview and what you believe about the knowledge of God and his biblical truth. And they're basic, common sense. If you don't believe these, it's hard to believe you're a Christian. Questions. Absolute moral truth, does it exist? Do you believe there's an absolute moral truth? If you don't believe that, I doubt you can be saved. The Bible is totally accurate in all of the principles it teaches. Do you believe this book is full of mistakes? Or do you believe it's accurate? Satan is a real being, a real force, not merely symbolic. He asked them that. Number four, he said people cannot earn their way into heaven by trying to do good or by doing good works. Salvation is totally a gift of grace. He asked him number five, Jesus Christ lived a sinless life Amen. and was totally holy. And finally, number six, God is the all-knowing, all-powerful creator of the world and still rules the universe today. Did any of these make you scratch your head and say, I wonder um, if that's true or not? But when America at random was surveyed after being asked these most basic Biblical truths, only 9% of American adults surveyed possess this view. 9%. And only 19%, one out of five, who professed to be a born-again believer, believed all six of those. 19%. So I ask you this morning, do you think voting can fix that? Not that I'm not for voting, because Lord knows we can easily, hopefully, get better than what we got. <laughs> but I want you to think about this. The farther people get from the knowledge of the truth, the farther we give up on God's truth, and the farther we accept our own truth, the more consequences those choices will result in that are not favorable for the people who live according to that way Well, my question is is what happens to people who willfully ignore God and reject his knowledge what happens well he says right there if you look in verse 16 he says for Israel is stubborn like a stubborn calf now the Lord will let them forage like a lamb in open country do you see what happens to a person who's stubborn against the Lord? Who rejects his knowledge? Who doesn't allow him to have guidance and lead as the shepherd? He just turns them loose like a ra- a lamb out in open range. Friends, a, a, a lamb in an open range is a lamb without a shepherd. And a lamb without a shepherd has no protection. He has no provision. He has none of the comforts and the helps of having the presence of the shepherd in his life he said because Israel is stubborn now I want to ask you when you look at America as a whole and you compare it to God's word and where we used to be and what we all know is right and wrong do you think America is stubborn or do you think America is obedient I I know but you see The Bible tells us everything, it gives us the knowledge, it's not by lack of knowledge. If you was to look in Romans chapter 1, let me show you what it looks like to be a lamb without a shepherd, to be turned without guidance from the Lord, because that's what he does to everybody, individuals, families, communities, and countries when they reject the knowledge of God. In Romans chapter 1, Paul shows us a vivid picture of what that's like when a nation, a a society, a generation reject his word. And look at what he says when you look down there in verse 20 of chapter 1 in Romans. For since the creation of the world. I'm sorry, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So. Men can suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God, that's knowledge of God, is manifested in him for God has showed it to him. There's nobody that doesn't realize and understand there's a God. God has showed it to us. He showed it through us to his creation. His invisible, his invisible attributes has shown us that there is a God. But guys, listen, not only did we know there's a God as a creator in America... No Christian nation has ever had bigger or more advantage of knowing him through his son, Jesus Christ, and specifically through a relationship from salvation. There's more churches on American soil than any nation in the world that was built for the glory of Jesus Christ to proclaim the gospel. And at one time, we was the most gospel-influenced, greatest example of what Jesus makes a difference in a people than any other nation in the history of the world America was. So not only do we know God through his creation, through the things he's put around us that just expresses his presence. We know him through what he does through his son Jesus and through the testimony of the difference his gospel makes. But guys, with all of those advantages, somewhere, somehow, one day, a trend began to happen in the heart of America. And as America began to turn the majority is no longer those who want to believe in God. The majority now are those who want to not believe in God. At least not the God and by his knowledge, according to his word. And so what happens when we willfully disobey and reject and do not want to retain the knowledge of God? Well, look what Paul says right here. He says in verse 21, because although they knew God, they had knowledge of God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts and in their foolish hearts. They were darkened. And listen what it says, professing to be wise, they became fools. And guys, if you look around and you compare some of the things we see happening from leadership in America today, who they think they're wise and they think they know everything and what we need, there's some fools out there. The most recent addition to the Supreme Court justices, our latest justice, Katanji Brown, was asked by one of our U.S. senators to define a woman. And she said, I'm not a biologist. I'm not able to do that. Sounds wise. But there ain't another animal that can't tell the difference between a, mo- a woman and a man but us. And now they're trying to say, and another one just the other day was asked by another U.S. senator who was fixing to be appointed by this administration for some other influential position. Can men get pregnant? And they said yes. That men can become a birther person. Friends, I don't know about you. But is that using the knowledge of God? And not only that, we don't even know what bathrooms to tell our children to go in anymore. And We got a government that now is so messed up and so mixed up that they provide laws to guarantee bathrooms for men who think they are women to go in there with our kids and for the women who think they are men to get to go in there with us. That is jacked up. Why does that happen? How does that happen? How do you vote something that messed up out? Well, look at what he says. He says in verse 24, Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts. Because look at verse 25, They exchanged the truth of God for the lie. Look at verse 26. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, that's sinful passions, And he says, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also men, leaving the natural use of women. And look at verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. That word retain means to keep a hold of, to uphold, to acknowledge. They did not like to acknowledge God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a debased, that's a depraved mind, to do those things which are not fitting. Guys, three times Paul uses the phrase, God gave them over. God gave them over. Friends, I don't know if you are willing to take a true diagnosis, but if you go to a doctor and you've got something that can't be healed, that he can't fix, do you want him to promise you he can fix something he can't? Do you want him to pump you up and give you a lot of hope? Or do you want him to tell you the truth? I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to try to make it his best for you. We may he- help the situation, but I doubt I'm going to heal you. But guys, I want you to look at this. God gave them over to impurity. God gave them over to degrading minds. That's passions. He God gave them over to a debased mind. Think about these words, impurity, uncleanness, degrading passions. That's sinfulness beyond what you would believe that comes from a depraved mind that is what happens that is what people become when they willfully choose to ignore God as a society as a nation and they reject and they will not willingly retain what he says is the truth and friends look at this when people ignore God long enough The consequences are that their moral compass no longer understands right from wrong. Boy, it's so quiet in here. (laughs) But I want you to think about this. Right will seem wrong and wrong will seem right. And friends, we're living in those days. But guys, listen. A one-nine vote has potential to begin to make a difference. It has potential to bring some healthy change. But do you think we got like this overnight? Most of the time when someone comes to my office and knocks on my door and they're in need of God's help because there's something in their life that has gripped them to the point that not only is it now something that they are doing that they wish they wouldn't do. But now it's producing consequences that they wish they didn't have to live with. And now the circumstances from those bad decisions has caught up with them. But very seldom did it happen from a one decision or overnight. It's from a pattern. It's from things that began to happen a long time ago. And most people who get out of church and get away from God. It doesn't happen in one Sunday. It happens Over a period of Sundays. And friends listen we've been going through this for quite a long time. America's spiritual condition didn't just happen last year or two years ago when we switched presidents. America's spiritual condition has been deteriorating for quite some time. It's when we switched God's. It's not when we gave up on one political platform for another. It's when we gave up on the only foundation that can hold us, that can sustain us. It is not a foundation kept by man. It is a foundation that only can come from Jesus, our God, that can hold a nation and make it where it's blessable and where God can bear fruit and show his favor in it. The Bible says, and it will never change That sin is a reproach against any nation. But righteousness exalts a nation. And friends, listen. Our present conduct, how we're acting today, is going to determine future conditions of how we live unless we change. Unless something changes. Today's choices are a result. I mean, tomorrow's... Consequences are going to be a result of the choices we make today. Yesterday's choices is what's caused today's circumstances. There's three things that will change America as a nation that America must experience. And it comes from being knowledge from God. When we hear God and when God speaks and he shows us what his knowledge says... There's going to be humility in a sinner's life. America must experience the humility to confess that we have sinned against God. That's the first step that's got to have to happen. We can vote the best of them in, the most gifted, the most wanting to do right. I listen to old Herschel, and Herschel ain't perfect, but I believe Herschel's experienced grace. Herschel's made mistakes. But Herschel's learned from those mistakes. He ain't perfect just like y'all ain't perfect. Every one of us has got things in our life that should have never happened. But we made choices that caused consequences that produced circumstances that we didn't like. And you can continue to do like the godless bunch and try to fix it yourself and look to people who can make promises they can't keep like politicians that tell you they can fix this or doctors who promise you they can heal something that's unhealable or you can trust in the God of heaven and earth. And so I hear Herschel, he's talking about My Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I'd never get up here and speak without first acknowledging my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's got knowledge of something that I don't see everywhere. And I'm not here to puff up Herschel. I'm here to puff up a God who made a difference in a man's life, who was making bad circumstances, who did a lot of things he wished he wouldn't do. And, you know, regardless of what he's done and hasn't done, he's not using it as an excuse to continue to live an unhealthy, unhealthy, spiritual mentally disabled physically not doing what he should do life he's trying to do right friends listen that's an example that we look at yes we vote for that but I want you to think about this what causes a man to be humble enough to confess his sin brokenness what do you think God's using all these problems for because he wants to just beat up America he loves America He wants America to get to the point where they'll be humbled to that. They'll confess, we've sinned against you, God. We've turned from your knowledge. We don't live according to truth. And so he wants to break us to the point we'll repent and turn from our sins and turn to God. And friends, that's the only thing that will ever make America great again is when she's broken to the point she repents of her sins and turns back to God. And friends, think about this. The third thing that America needs and everybody who's in sin today is awareness of our need. Man, I look out there. And if you think voting is going to fix it, you're not aware of the need of the hour. The awareness of our need is for God's grace and his forgiveness and for his intervention. Where does that start when you get saved? When you get saved, but he do not want you just to say, I'm saved, I'm a Christian. The Bible says that God desires for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You see, even if you're saved and you live not by the knowledge of the truth and you do things that you shouldn't do, it produces circumstances and consequences that you weren't meant to live in. Today, I'm for voting. I'm going to vote. And I believe voting has potential to make a difference. But until the church gets broken enough and becomes humble enough and becomes aware enough to talk about praying for leaders and having meetings to pray for leaders to the point that that's what consumes us, If you hang around the average Southern Baptist church member today, he talks more about this election than he does about people getting saved. He's got more of all his attention on political leaders than what God could do with one. That's why when I hear one say, Jesus, he ain't ashamed to stand up there That's a starting point to where I think I could vote for him. But how many do we, if we're honest, will stand up and proclaim the name of Jesus as my Lord and Savior? we Will say, I believe the Bible is the holy word of God. Until we get back to the word of God, nothing's going to truly change. Friends, if we can see how bad it looks from here, can you imagine how bad it must look there in Washington? Inside of all this stuff that's going on, friends, this is beyond any vote that it will ever fix. A vote can help it, but in the end, the only one that will heal this is God himself. Today, I'm here to encourage voting. Go vote for people who we think will honor God, who will best represent what we believe as children of God, would honor the Lord, but don't think and don't get caught up in some good people who are saying, this is going to change. This is for the soul of a nation. The soul of this nation is not dependent on what we do to Tuesday. The soul of this nation is dependent on what we do with the Lord and where we put God. You say, well, what's that got to do with me? It starts with us. Is your life a representation of what it means to live not only with the knowledge of God, but by the knowledge of God? Is your life built upon the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because this is what Paul said, these people who God turned over, He gave them over. Three times He says He gave them over. And each time He gave them over, it caused something that I see in American society today. Depraved minds, sinful passions. Man, it's everywhere you look. It's it's an epidemic. But friends, listen, Jesus said this. He said there's two kinds of people when it comes to what we do with God's knowledge, his truth. And it ain't just believing it. It's believing it enough to live it. Remember what Jesus said? He said there's two kinds of men, and we're going to close. There's two kinds of people who hear my truth. There's a wise man. Who builds his house upon the rock. And there's the foolish man. Who builds his house upon the sand. They both believe in God enough to listen to Jesus. Jesus says that the wise man heard my words. He heard my knowledge. And when he heard my knowledge. He didn't just say amen, hallelujah. And go out and do whatever he wants. He says when he heard my wisdom When he was given access to it, he he retained it. He hung on to it. And when the storms came and the winds blew and all the adversity of life came against it, and are we not in the storm? Do we not see the winds blowing upon the lives of every American family and the very foundation of who we are as a free nation? He says, when that adversity came, they didn't just agree with me. They obeyed me and they built their house upon that foundation. That's the wise man and his house stood. But the foolish man, and there's a lot of us. We hear it, we believe it, but we don't do it. He said he built his house upon the sand. And when the same exact waves and the same storms and the same adversities came... His house fell and great was its fall. And when I look at the house of America. I'm fearful she may not stand much longer. When I look at the homes that make up the cities. And the cities and the conditions of them. And the community collapse that we see around us. Could we vote? Could we change mayors? Could we get enough new councilmen? Could we ever get the right amount of whoever you think it would take to fix it, to fix it? Or would we need to just fall on our face and say, Jesus, we've been fools. We've lived on the sand and the foundations of our very lives are collapsing and we need you. Because I'm telling you, when we come to our senses, we will fall on the rock that can't be moved And we'll get out of this sand that we're all trusting in. I don't like inflation. I don't like high gas. But, guys, if you read in the Bible, there's a lot worse things to have to deal with. What I believe in is that Jesus can help anybody in this room today if you're willing to get real with Him. This morning, I guarantee you there's somebody in here that's not saved. You've never truly acknowledged Jesus and asked Him to be your Savior, confessed your sins. Repented and was willing to turn to him as Savior and Lord and say, Lord, will you save me? He'll save you. Everybody. How many of you knows what I'm talking about? You know what? Think about this. The majority of professing Christians today is only 64%. 64%. So that means a lot of them are not even really Christians. But if we look at the percentage of true Christians, I don't know about y'all, it's a miracle one day we heard the truth and we believed it. We met the King of truth, Lord Jesus, and we know him. Do you realize the blessing it is to be sitting here this morning saved with the knowledge of the truth in your life and your life built upon that foundation? Do you realize the advantage that we have over the average American? And we sit here with all of those benefits while they sit out there lost, undone, without God. And we think voting is going to fix it. It's time for us to leave here and share the good news. It's time for us to go and find people and give them help. Church is not only when we gather, true church begins when we leave. Who are you trying to witness to? Who are you trying to share that knowledge with? This morning, I'm going to ask the person who's not saved, you know who you are, if God's you to come and give your life to Christ, but I'm going to ask everybody else to examine your heart this morning and say, am I living a life that is built upon the truth? Because you see, Israel over and over made the same mistake. They turned from the knowledge of the truth, and what would God do? Exactly what he's doing to America. He would allow consequences to happen that produced circumstances that made them break to the point they confessed. And they would be aware of their need and they'd come back to God. And every time you can look at it over and over and over, he would forgive them. He would heal them. He would restore them. And he'd make them right with him again. And they'd live for a season and then they'd fall away. You can be saved this morning and fall away. Come to Jesus. He's calling you. He loves you. He's saying, come to me, all who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Because he says, my way is easy and my burden is light. I'll help you if you'll just yoke up with me. Come to Christ. Because when a church comes to Christ, Christ comes to her. And he is our hope. I'm going to vote. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to say, Lord, help me to know who to vote for according to your will. But I'm not believing by any means that the new Congress is going to fix all this. (laughs) Or the new Senate. Or a new president. I'm trusting Jesus. How about you? So I want to ask you to stand with me. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. If you've never been saved, today is your day. This is your hour. You can come simply by saying, I don't need to ask Jesus to forgive me. And I want to ask him to save me. If you would do that, he would save you. But there's a lot of us here that you're not living for the Lord. You're not under the knowledge of God. And, and look at our country. Is our country not worth doing more than just voting for? Is our country not worth getting out of a pew? coming to an altar and praying for? Is a country not worth more than just going out Tuesday to pull a lever? I say bend the knee for America if you love her. Kneel at this altar for God and ask Him to come because I'm telling you, God has a plan for America or we wouldn't still be here. Jesus is coming back. They say, why ain't He come back? Because He's long-suffering, patient, and kind, and He's He's not wanting any to perish, but all of us to come to repentance. That's what he's waiting for. So come today. Humble yourself. Show you're broken. Show you have a need and an awareness that we need you, God. And God will bless America. He'll bless the church. He'll bless your family. I'm asking you to just listen to God this morning as we sing. What are we going to sing? We're just going to play. All right. Well, if you need to come, come while you can. Thank you.